Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the Executive Director at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. We are joined this morning by our fearless leader, Tim Harden, President and CEO. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Jeremy. A lot is happening this week. Of course, we are we are entering the last full week of the legislative session. Um, we'll get to the deadlines here in a second, but of course, the end of the 88th legislative session is Memorial Day, Monday, May 29th. And so with the last week comes a lot of kind of impending deadlines that sort of build up, if you will, to the crescendo or the end of the legislative session. Let's talk about those real quick. I will briefly mention them and then we'll kind of talk about some of the importance of it before we get into the some of the, the bills that are still moving through the process. So Tuesday is kind of the first big one this week. It's the last day for the Texas House of Representatives to consider second reading Senate bills and Senate joint resolutions. Of course, we, we've already seen the, the calendar be, or the House calendar be published through Tuesday. So we at least know the universe of bills that are that have still yet to be considered. It'll be interesting to see how far they get through these calendars. Um, Wednesday, is the last day for the House to consider local and consent calendar uh, bills. And then it's also the last day for the Senate to consider all bills and and joint resolutions um, on their version of the calendar. Thursday through Sunday kind of marks the different deadlines, if you will, for conference committee reports and and determining whether or not they're good with uh, what came out of that or concurring with amendments from the other chamber. And then, of course, as we said, we've got Monday uh, being the uh, the end, if you will, signy die, the end of the legislative session. So, Tim, before we get into some of the specifics of the bills, wanted to get your thoughts on kind of where we're at in the session. Yeah, we're we're in the home stretch for sure. Um, you know, all the deadlines are coming. Like you said, you know, it's it's we're really just going to find out how far they're going to get down the calendar, right? Like at this point, they have a couple of days stacked up. I believe the house was supposed to meet on Saturday. Uh, it looks like they punted to Monday. And so I think by tomorrow we should have at least two days stacked up. And so I would, I would probably say, you know, the bills that are on the second half of that uh, supplemental calendar, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty likely they're probably going to die unless, you know, for some reason they just get after it. But usually this is where you see, you know, especially in the House, Democrats chubbing. Uh, they have their eyes on bills they don't want to pass. And so they're going to be wasting time and uh, asking questions, things like that, because they know that uh, you know, to kill a bill, they just have to make it past Tuesday. Uh, I think, you know, and I know we're about to talk about it here in a minute, but there's still some really important pieces of legislation. Uh, that have not made it all the way through uh, SB3, one of them, which I know we're going to talk about that here in a minute. And so uh, that my eyes are really on all of those on the budget, on property tax reform, on school choice, uh, even even some of the kind of the, the weaker watered down um, border security measures. Right. And so uh, I just kind of have my eyes open. I'm watching what's going to go down in the next few days, because uh, essentially, you know, once we get to Wednesday, it's it's pretty much that's all she wrote. Well, let's go ahead and get into that. I mean, you you mentioned it. It's it's arguably the most important bill of the legislative session, every legislative session, and that's the budget, right? The uh, we've talked about several times before, but of course, state lawmakers, you know, it's the one thing they're constitutionally bound to do is pass a balanced budget, and that version is House Bill One this cycle. Um, it is, of course, passed the House. It's passed the Senate. It is in conference committee uh, to where you know the the five members from the House and five members of the Senate have to reconcile the differences. Um, you know, 
When it passed the Senate, it included $308 billion in total spending. That's state and federal spending together. That's a 16.3% increase roughly from the last biennium, um, represents about $43.2 billion more than what they spent the last biennium. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't believe we've seen the conf- the full conference committee uh, report as of yet, but very likely that's going to come out this week. What are our kind of 30,000 foot, you know, level idea or view on the uh, on the budget um, uh, as, as we approach the, the end of the session, Tim? Yeah, I think, you know, anticipate they're going to be right around that number, 308. You know, uh, it seems kind of late to be getting the conference committee report. Maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe it's been a couple of years, but I, I feel like we've gotten it uh, sooner than the last week, uh, the last few sessions, but I could be wrong there. I think the biggest uh, overall picture is just how much we've grown spending. Uh, and yes, we have a big revenue year. Yes, we have a $33 billion surplus that they've used roughly about half of, uh, right? They're doing their best to stay under that constitutional spending limit. It's pretty apparent. But when when we talk about growing the budget, the significant thing about growing the budget is we've spent a lot more. It's looking like uh, something like HB5 has a very good shot at passing, which of course is the renewal of the largest corporate welfare program in Texas. We've you know, increased occupational licensing. We've passed a ton of corporate welfare. We've expanded programs. Every single uh, agency is getting huge inflation bumps, right? Um, but when it comes to property tax relief, the question is, how much are they going to give us? Right now, I believe in the budget in its current, it was it was about $12 billion was set aside in that rider. Uh, so uh, the House upped the ante. And they raised the homestead exemption in SB3 and uh, added compression in, which I would assume is going to cause problems because that does not match up with the General Appropriations Act. And so that's really the big question in the back of my mind is, yes, we've grown government quite a bit. Uh, it's a really a shame to see that. We should really be cutting. Of course, you know, we were pushing a, uh, a frozen budget, which would have saved us tens of billions of dollars and allowed more property tax relief. But nevertheless, um, you know, with this much spending, the question is, are taxpayers going to be, uh, you know, repaid and refunded the money that the government ever collected? I think anyone would be hard pressed, certainly, to not agree that this has been a big government session, right? Just collectively, if you look over the course of the 140-day session, you are correct. The amount of corporate welfare, the amount of spending on just all sorts of government licensure schemes and new programs and grant programs, all sorts of stuff that has happened this legislative session, it might come as no surprise to folks, too, uh, because, of course, we we were sounding the alarms, right, uh, early before the legislative session when uh, when it came became known that we would have this huge budget surplus, right, this over-collection of taxpayer dollars, uh, you know, taxpayers should be worried, right, because if they're not going to return it to taxpayers, they're going to spend at least, if not all of it, a, a portion of it, as as we've seen so far. We, of course, don't know what the final version of the budget looks like, but we expect that imminently. Um, obviously, they would have to do that uh, before some of these deadlines that we talked about earlier. You briefly mentioned, let's briefly talk about it, right? Senate Bill 3 uh, seems to be the kind of now... You know, we thought it was dead. Now it's back uh, as of last week. Uh, uh, I guess the legislature's approach to property tax relief. Um, let's just remind folks, of course, this passed the House on Friday, uh, last Friday, the uh, the 19th. Uh, the question really is, will the Senate accept the changes that the House made 
uh, to its version, Senate Bill 3. So when Senate Bill 3 left the Senate, it, of course, was only focused, solely focused on a homestead exemption increase, something prioritized by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Um, it sat, in, obviously, in the House for over a month. The House has now changed it uh, to where it's kind of this fusion of all of the approaches, all of the above, if you will, to where we now have not only the homestead exemption increase or proposed homestead ex exemption increase, you also have the appraisal caps or lowering of the appraisal caps from 10% to 5%, applying it to all real property. That was prioritized by the House uh, House leadership itself. You've got uh, compression of the school maintenance and operations portion of the property tax, something, of, of course, we favor. And then you've got the House decided to, to increase the homestead exemptions even more uh, to $100,000 for everyone, $110,000 for elderly and disabled you know, that heads back to the Senate. We are, of course, approaching some of these deadlines. Tim, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that the Senate will just accept it? Do you think they'll change it again? It'll go to a very quick conference committee. What are your thoughts? Well, so, you know, at this point, you know, we're we're going to speculate because uh, that's all we can do. Uh, we don't have anything solid from the Senate. You know, at the beginning of the weekend, you know, the word on the street and the rumors surrounding the Capitol were, hey, they're going to accept everything and, and everything's hunky-dory. And, and, you know, it... It is a massive improvement. You know, the, the bill has improved. You know, do, does it go as far as we would like it to go? Well, no. You know, we, we want complete elimination. We want a path to elimination. We didn't get that. But what did it improve um, what SB3 was? Well, yeah, it has. And, and they've, given, they've given quite honestly a lot more in property tax relief. Now, you know, the one, the one critique we would throw at it is, hey, it's still, you know, not actually the biggest in history because we're not adjusting for inflation like they've adjusted all the other things. But is it a massive improvement? Is it going to help taxpayers? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, we, we will applaud them in that uh, aspect. Now, the, the real question, what you asked is, you know, is it going to stay in that same version? And what we've seen in, in um, prior uh, sessions is usually when things go to conference committee, they get worse. Right. This is exactly what happened last go around, I believe, uh, you know, when we had the the property tax relief package, they introduced that that, that COVID rebate and um, they, they had some compression and it kept changing forms and it went to conference committee and they came back with the homestead exemption increase. Right. And so it, it got watered down. And so we went from you kind of kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so what we hear is there might be problems with the amount of money that is being offered in SB3 now. And can that, is there enough money in our budget in its current form? It, that seems to be kind of what they're milling around about right now. Um, what they're actually going to do, your guess is as good as mine. I, I really have no clue. Uh, we won't know until the conference committee report actually comes down and they reconcile this thing. Um, so is, is it possible that they keep it in the same uh, form? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also think there's a very real po uh, possibility, especially since, you know, we've kind of heard a change in the mood and in, in the rumors that surround these people who are involved that um, that oh, they're not they don't have agreement yet, essentially. And so I, I think it's going to be a bad look if the Senate lowers the, the homestead exemption and lowers uh, the, you know, the compression amount. That's not really going to look very good on them. And so uh, my guess is they're probably going to try their best to keep it in the same form. Um, but, you know, will it work out? You know, we'll, we'll see. I just don't know. Uh, we'll find out in the next couple of days. 
Well, of course, you briefly mentioned it. We're talking about property tax relief, and uh, this has taken the form for businesses, for multinational corporations uh, of a corporate welfare revival effort um, in House Bill 5. Of course, we have talked about this several times. Um, you know, it is it has passed the House. It has made its way to the Senate. As of yesterday, it was passed out of the Senate Business and Commerce Committee uh, by a vote of six in favor, two in opposition, and three people <laughs> voting uh, just present, right? White lighting it, uh, not voting in favor or in opposition. It has changed forms. There are differences between uh, what the Senate sponsor put in it, that's State Senator Charles Schwartner, and how it left the House. And so regardless, assuming that the House or the Senate does bring it up, bring it up for a vote, and then of course, keeping in the back of our mind deadlines that we talked about at the beginning or at the top of this Twitter space, you know, you've got um, they've got a lot of things that would have to happen, meaning let's say it, it did get put on the Senate, the Senate favorably voted it out of uh, out of its body. It would have to go back to the House and the House would have to vote yet again uh, to either agree with the Senate changes or go to a very quick conference committee uh, before deadlines. Um, and so, you know, as we talked about, Ryan, there's just another one of these big ticket items that they've waited to the last minute um, here, just you know, really a matter of two or three days uh, before these deadlines that we haven't seen the final version of. And so as a reminder, that's House Bill 5, the corporate welfare revival effort, multi-billion dollar uh, collection of just tax abatements that would take place all across the state via the school district. Um, that is potentially going to be put on a Senate intent calendar. Likely we'll see that. I'm sure tomorrow it wasn't on, I don't believe this morning's uh, Senate intent calendar. So that is still alive and kicking. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that before we pivot, Tim? Yeah, you know, this is one where, you know, I actually, uh, in the, uh, the time we're run out on this one, it's, you know, we've opposed this bill. It's a bad bill, you know, and, and you could tell if you listen in on uh, the committee and kind of commentary on the bill, you know, there was questions asked like, why would we be giving and defaulting or giving 100 or 90 percent property tax abatements? You know, there's there's discussion about possibly on the Senate floor moving it down to a 50 percent property tax abatement. Right. Of course, we, we don't even support that. We want zero. Right. Like corporations are moving here. Statistically, this has nothing to do with why corporations are, are moving here. Very, very few of these even consider you know, a tax abatements when it comes to uh, moving their location to Texas. And so ultimately all that's happening here is they're taking tax dollars that are taken from hardworking Texans and they're giving them to multinational corporations. Uh, not all of them are multinational, but many, many of them are Facebook, Samsung. I mean, huge corporations that do not need these tax abatements where Texas taxpayers in their homes are being pushed out of their homes. So it's just really, really bad policy. And the fact that both of the um, both of the parties oppose this in their platform, it's mind blowing that they're just trying to ram this thing through. And so this is one where if the you know the timer runs out on it, I'm not going to be upset at all. And I still highly encourage the Senate to vote this thing down. It is a bad piece of legislation. We do not need this in Texas. This has nothing to do with the Texas miracle. And so uh, I would love to see this thing die. Uh, and and I will uh, I will be praying that way for sure. Well, last thing I'm going to talk about today. So if you were, uh, I guess, the if you were like us and you were watching the Senate late last night, late on a Sunday night when they decided to meet, there were a lot of things that were happening as we approached some of these deadlines. But one of the more interesting things to happen seems to be this Hail Mary effort on school choice. And so let's briefly talk about that. For those that are familiar, the kind of big 
education savings account or school choice bill uh, that was a priority of Governor Greg Abbott. So Senate Bill 8, of course, that passed out of the Senate well over a month ago. It was left pending in the House Public Education Committee uh, last week on the 15th um, after it was watered down significantly, having already been watered down, in my opinion, but watered down even more. Uh, the governor basically threatened a special legislative session um, and to veto this bill if it, for whatever reason, were to make it out of the House. Of course, that ended the prospects for the bill. The, the committee chairman decided not to even uh, vote it out. And so what we saw last night seems to be a Hail Mary effort in that the Senate sponsor of the Education Savings Account Bill, who's also the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, Brandon Creighton, announced a very kind of like, you know, pop-up meeting this morning happening right now on House Bill 100. And so not to get too in the weeds, but House Bill 100, which has already passed the House, it's authored by State Representative Ken King of Canadian there in the panhandle, Republican lawmaker, is kind of this big school funding bill, right? It already passed the House. And so what the Senate author for the school choice legislation is doing is changing this bill, House Bill 100, um, uh, to incorporate an ESA aspect to it. Um, it's the school choice Hail Mary, as we called it. Ultimately, what it does is he's decreasing the basic allotment increase as it left the House, which was about $90 per pupil. He's decreasing it down to about $50, and then he's providing for education savings account um, amounting to about $8,000 per student each year to be open to almost all students. Now, the obvious question here, right, is let's say theoretically this gets voted out, and I believe uh, Senator Creighton said he does intend to vote it um, out here in about an hour from his committee. Let's say it gets voted out, it gets voted out of the Senate again. I think anyone who's a an avid kind of watcher of the Texas legislature would be like, how the heck are you going to get Ken King, who's notoriously an anti-school choice lawmaker, to somehow accept the changes from the Senate, where it now includes not only school funding, as, as he wants it, but also uh, education savings accounts? What are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, I, I think this is kind of really tells the tale that it does it does not look like we're going to get school choice uh, this go round. And so ultimately, it's going to come up with uh, come down to Abbott, right? And how much he pushes and and uh, is a special session called over this, right? Like I agree with you. Like Ken King is not going to agree to this. Let's get real. You know, uh, you know, could that could this be a big show and they go to conference and and repair about? Yeah, sure. You know, but I think the the bigger the bigger story here is. It does not appear that the House specifically uh, is in favor of school choice. And so ultimately, it looks like, you know, they're kind of calling uh, calling Abbott's bluff. And uh, we're going to see if he is really serious about, you know, parental choice. Uh, and honestly, it's probably the best case scenario for those who support school choice. The best case scenario is to go to a special session, because with everything that's going on right now, everything's very rushed. You know, uh, you're not going to get as much attention on this one important piece of legislation, if we called a special session and this was placed, you know, on on the agenda, right? And so I think uh, it looks, you know, statistically and probably that school choice is not going to pass. I don't believe hundred uh, is going to the changes to it are going to be accepted by Ken King, um, and so I think what we're going to see is a likely special session over school choice. When is that going to happen? I don't know. Uh, I think it would Abbott's been so vocal about this and made so many tweets about it that he supports this and he wants it to get it done. 
I just don't see any scenario where he doesn't call a special session over this because he's been so vocal about it. If he, if he doesn't, well, I, I kind of think it makes him look weak, right? He kind of just accepts uh, he went on this big tour for school choice and, uh, you know, it's up to him now. I mean, he's the only one who has the power to call a special session and he can continue to call those until he gets this pass. And so I think that's the most likely scenario here, but you know what? I don't have a crystal ball. I'm just speculate. We shall see in the next few days. All right. Well, that about wraps up today. You know, again, we wanted to convey that there are still some big ticket items here uh, to be considered by both chambers in the legislature as we enter the final full week of the 88th legislative session. Of course, we are coming up on some deadlines Tuesday, tomorrow being the first of many over the next few days before the ultimate end or sine die end of the 88th legislative session, which is Memorial Day monday may 29th and so uh, we will have one additional episode next monday on sine die of the week ahead uh where i assume we'll we'll sort of summarize the legislative session and what's going to happen uh maybe going into a special uh legislative session shortly thereafter um and of course we would implore you to also listen to our weekly audio video podcast taxpayer talks which gets published every thursday uh where we kind of summarize what has happened that week um and some of the major narratives and themes happening um, in the Texas political scene. So we will be back next Monday for another week, another episode of the week ahead. Thank you all for joining us this morning. We'll see you then. 